Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, I'm Matt Harmon and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast presented by Planter, satisfying your snack cravings for over 100 years. Dalton, my man, thanks again for joining me as always on this Wednesday episode. We're officially halfway through the season, but before we talk about all that, you know what satisfied me today, Dalton? What's that, Harmon? Well, uh, we pushed the podcast back a couple hours (laughs) to account for the big news of the day, which is the NFL trade deadline, of course. Um, And so the, the extra two hours to prepare um, to enjoy a nice lunch before the show. That was very satisfying. I made sure to get my planters nuts into my salad so that I get that extra good fat boost for, for, for the gains and everything. But not much satisfied me when it came to the actual trade deadline news, my friend. What a, what a disappointing, more like a trade deadline. Am I right? Yeah, well done. Yeah, it's funny. We all, we, we all kind of collectively realized, what are we doing here? The deadline's couple hours away, might as well put, push off the pod. But yeah, it resulted in Isaiah Ford and DeAndre Washington uh, as the big moves. I guess solidified that my guy Jimmy G is officially placed on the IR as well. But yeah, it was yes. not really worthwhile waiting for the... No, no blockbusters happen. I don't think they... Like baseball, sometimes they trickle out later. That doesn't really happen with football, right? I, I think this is, this is what, we, what we have here is what we get. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like you said, what we've got, that's it. It is what it is. Um, I will say this, though. Isaiah Ford... I, like I, I'm, it's, I might not be nothing, you know, right? Because Isaiah Ford, he's a slot guy. Uh, I know some Dolphins fans, like deep on the internet, are feeling some like uh, PTSD from the Wes Welker trade. Remember when the Dolphins mm. sent Welker yeah. to the Patriots as like a sort of okay. unheralded slot guy, and then he obviously became like a cornerstone of that franchise during some record-breaking offensive years for them. I'm not saying it's going to be that. I'm not saying it's going to be anything close to that. But, like, I kind of think Isaiah Ford is sneaky good. Like, I think he was a really good route runner coming out of college. Like, when he was given volume at the end of last year in that Chad O'Shea offense, Chad O'Shea, by the way, Patriots coaching tree there, uh, he produced some decent fantasy lines as the slot receiver. So, I'm not saying it's going to be this big thing, but we know they're very needy at receiver. We know Edelman is on IR. So that one, like, it's not Will Fuller going to the Packers or any of the things that we, like, sort of, you know, hope happening. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ford makes a bit of an impact in in New England, if not if not just because they so badly need bodies that can separate there. And I think Ford is that. Ford, an interesting player and obviously uh, possibly a big opportunity there, but... 
Cam Newton has uh, two touchdowns on the year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had five last week. Uh, it's just not not really working in the passing attack here in New England. Belichick, interestingly, making excuses, salary cap uh, talk. Um, I'd say on the flip side, this gives me another excuse to rank Mike Gesicki high, higher than uh, I should be every week with freeing yeah. up possible slot snaps in Miami. But who knows? Tua did not get off to a, a great first start, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about. But um, yeah, not not too many move the needle deals here. But sure, Isaiah Ford I could, possibly could be a PPR option moving forward with no one else there in New England. Right. Him and Jacoby Myers are at least guys that can get yeah. open and they're not, you know, Nikhil Harry or like a <laughs> – 25% of himself, Julian Edelman. So, like I said, you know, I think Cam has obviously been problematic the last few weeks. Like, last week, despite the fumble, he was at least, like, passable, which for the yeah, two weeks better. previous against your Niners and, and the Broncos, like, that was a huge jump. So, like I said, probably probably nothing, but I'm at least leaving the door open that it might not be nothing. Hot take there uh, on the NFL trade deadline. But, anyways, let's let's get into um, some of the – the trends that we love to see. Uh, I don't know if this is something we we love to see here um, for this Thursday night matchup. Like, actually, you know what? This is this is not something anyone loves to see because there's a lot of bad injury news and absence news on both sides. Uh, you obviously talked about it. Your guy Jimmy G probably going on IR. George Kittle is on IR. Debo Samuel already hurt. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is like the last man standing in their pass catching group. Jamichael Hasty, they they ruled Tevin Coleman out already. Did the San Francisco 49ers like Jamichael Hasty's the last guy standing in the backfield, and the Packers in their backfield might be you know uh, in a similar situation. The term right now is that the Packers are quote pessimistic about Aaron Jones playing on Thursday with his calf injury, which is pretty bad news because A.J. Dillon is out with COVID-19. Jamal Williams also ruled out because he was a close contact, close proximity to A.J. Dillon. So, like, what's going to go on in this Packers backfield? What's gonna, what the hell is going to go on in this matchup in general? First of all, Niners, real, I've never seen a season anything like this with injuries. Um but Hasty's interesting. The Niners actually have the most rushing touchdowns in the NFL, and theoretically, the the move from Mullins to a from a hamper Jimmy G certainly isn't a downgrade. And the Packers have allowed the most fantasy points to opposing backs. So last man standing, Hasty uh, could be interesting fantasy wise. And then Green Bay, that's a real wild card because they can't even bring in a free agent because of the COVID rules. They have to be yeah. there for five days. So it appears. Right now that we're looking at Tyler Irvin, who's played um, 104 of his 108 snaps this year at wide receiver. And Dexter Williams uh, has played zero snaps this year. But if you listen to Aaron Rodgers, it seems like he's going to be the, the guy you want here. He's more of the running back than Irvin. But uh, yeah, do you, can you make any sense of this situation? It's really We just saw this kind of same thing happen with the 49ers opponent last week. And DJ Dallas scored two touchdowns despite the tough right. matchup. So if you're getting 20 touches and Packers are favored in this game, Dexter Williams absolutely should be you know grabbed in all competitive leagues. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd add him, uh, potentially consider starting, starting him. Like Irvin to me is a guy that, you know, the Packers have actually done a really good job this year, I think, of using Irvin on some of those, like, motion plays pre-snap. Like, even if he's not a guy they're ever going to really prioritize, like, let's get this guy the football. That's why I almost kind of thought that they would be an interesting spot for my guy Curtis Samuel to get traded to. Obviously, that is among many moves that did not happen uh, here on Tuesday. But, like, because they've done so, so such a good job of, like, using Irvin to distract defenses, moving the him around so that they just kind of have to account for that motion, like putting someone like Samuel in that role who can actually do stuff as a receiver and as a rusher, 
would have made sense. But all that means nothing, really. And I think it means nothing in general uh, for fantasy as well. I don't think Irvin's going to be a guy that makes a big impact. You know, maybe he does. Maybe he does make a big impact. They they sort of might have to go to a more pass-heavy offense anyways, which might put Irvin the probably superior receiver of this group on the field. But yeah, I tend to think that there's just, you know, a net nothing in this backfield. Hasty is interesting to me. Where where are you going to rank Hasty in your early, uh, you know, early week rankings? Because like, like you said, there's pretty much no better matchup right now than the Green Bay Packers from a run defense perspective like Mike Pettin is just like he's the, these defenses have always been this way they just invite invite you to run on them right the 49ers did it in the NFC championship for everyone to see but like everyone runs on the Packers because Mike Pettin sort of schemes things that way and teams are none too are they're they're plenty happy to just go ahead and run on them so I feel like Hasty is the last guy standing in this backfield could like could just absolutely tear them up on Thursday night yeah, it looks like his ECR is RB19. I have him around 15th or 16th right now, my preliminary rank. So yeah, solid RB2, which is crazy considering the Niners situation, you know, and who he is. I don't know if they're going to throw to him at all. But um, you look at the rest of the running back ranks and it's not so crazy when you realize how thin it gets and and given the matchup. Speaking of the Packers, it would have been nice if they traded for Will Fuller. That would have given us some real yeah. interesting discussion. That's the one blockbuster that apparently nearly happened that did not. But I expect the Packers to... To um yeah with a with the NFC Championship game fresh in Rodgers' mind and this Niners team uh so banged up I, I see them playing with the lead which may not work well for Hasty but the last time these two teams played I mean Mostert set the NFL what he had 200 yards and four touchdowns in that championship game so maybe the Niners lean on Hasty and he could it wouldn't be crazy if he is a top 10 fantasy running back this week no I mean it wouldn't surprise you at all um like you said there's a lot of there's a couple different ways we can go with the Hasty thing because like. The 49ers crushed the Packers in both of their meetings, like you said. You And you would think, though, that this offense is probably going to be a lot worse than the unit that took the field in both of the Like, I mean, look at the personnel that they're rocking with right now. I mean, they, they have just a ghost of their, of their Mike offense. Mike Clay pointed out in a tweet, sorry, that they have scored 3.3 touchdowns per game offensively this year, more than last year, when I think they scored the second most points per game last year. So that also highlights just how crazy offense has exploded this year. But quietly, Shanahan's getting it done, still season, productive man. with all those injuries. It's just crazy. They're averaging more offensive touchdowns than they did during their 19 games when they made the Super Bowl last year, which is wild. I mean, they're down to their third string center that's getting grades in the single digits in PFF. I mean, it, I mean, it could just go on and on at the problems the Niners have but uh, one thing I will give uh, credit I've given him a hard, hard time with a couple of the wide receivers he passed on but Ayuk looks legit looks, man Ayuk yeah. looks great so that's like the one thing as a 49ers fan you could be excited about here and fantasy managers could too because you know they're still going to throw the ball with Mullins and Bethard and that defense is going to give up more points so so Ayuk is the other guy here who's real interesting yeah. uh, for fantasy terms Oh, Ayuk was like a guy that I was all ready to say like, well, I don't know if he's going to, you know, he's got a lot of room to work in the NFL. Like he's got some things to work on, you know, like we'll see if he can get there. Then as soon as the 49ers draft him, it's like, oh, rip it up, throw that in the trash. He's such a perfect fit with what Shanahan wants to do with this offense. I'm going to put your feet to the fire because we're going to talk about uh, these two guys in our next uh, segment here. But I just want to see where you're at with the hasty thing. Would you play Jonathan Taylor or Jamichael Hasty in week nine? Oh, hasty. Hasty, no question. No. Would you play Zeke Elliott or Jamichael Hasty? Okay, so that's who I have actually ranked back to back, and that's yes. what I was going to throw I, at you. That's yeah. fun. You have him fifteenth and sixteenth. I'm like, I'm like, am I going to say this? You're going to think like too hot takey. I'm like, I really want to rank him above Elliott. Yeah, I probably, yeah. I will just for the hell of it. Yeah, I'll move him one spot above Elliott. Yes, Hasty, give me Hasty. 
buddy, I was looking at my rankings as we're talking about it too. And I was looking at Hasty and, and Elliot and I did the same thing, put him at 13 over Perfect. 14, 14 at, at, uh, right. <laughs> at, at the running back rankings. All right. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's keep it moving here into the next segment. We just mentioned these two running backs. I think this is interesting to talk about. Um, you know, obviously the Jonathan Taylor thing is super tilting for, for players that were really excited about him coming off uh, the, the Colt, uh, yeah, the Colts bye week. Right. But I'm, I know that there's obviously some injury excuses here people have talked about him having an ankle injury. Maybe that was part of what happened last week, but you know, let's just take a look at the snap rate, um, in general right now for these guys, 51% for Jordan Wilkins, 34% for Jonathan Taylor, 21% for Naheem Hines, who scored two touchdowns against the lions. Um, I'm, super concerned that this is here to stay for the Colts. You know, I think obviously at some point they're going to want to get more out of their, you know, their, their highly touted second round pick, a guy that they were aggressive in drafting. They, they obviously thought that it made sense from a philosophical standpoint to get this guy in there and be sort of their foundation runner. So at some point they're going to want to get him more involved, but like, it's not even so much that Jordan Wilkins came in there and played well as the closer, whatever. I don't care too much about that, but like, the way the Colts came out and were sort of a, I don't know about a spread offense from like a personnel perspective, but like they got so many different guys involved. You know, ten players caught a pass for the Colts in the first half of that game. Naheem Hines was featured as that outlet receiver, and, and like Philip Rivers is perfect at throwing to guys like that. That like moonshot that he had there, uh, you know, that it looked like. I saw, I heard someone, I heard Nate Tice on the athletic football podcast compared to like when you're playing beer pong and you're like trying to just loft that thing in there. That was what that football liked. And like only Phillip Rivers can throw that pass. I'm kind of worried that this is the version of the Colts offense that's probably here to stay because, you know, Rivers just playing in the shotgun. Uh, he needs to play in the gun, I think, at this point of his career. Like he can't just really be dropping back like you know, doing the play action, everything like that. He's just way too slow, way too slow footed. I think it makes sense for the Colts to be that type of offense, which I think is kind of antithetical to the offense that, that they would have to be for Jonathan Taylor to hit his ceiling. Yeah, it's wild. The Colts have the lowest yards per carry in the NFL right now. I'm pretty sure PFF had their offensive line graded as the best entry in the year. They drafted Jonathan Taylor, so football. Yet they're still winning. Um, I uh, admittedly had Jonathan Taylor ranked very aggressively preseason. I used him in DFS this last week. So no one's – I mean, I'm as frustrated as, as anyone. And there's a number of different ways you could go with this. First, I want to say Jordan Wilkins is good. He's, he's a good running back, and he's been impressive anytime he's given the chance. I, I don't yeah. think it's that controversial to say he's much better than Marlon Mac. Um, I think he's mm. a capable NFL player. Um, Taylor has not impressed whatsoever. I don't know yeah. what to make of the injury. At first, I thought it was just an excuse by Reich until I saw that Philip Rivers immediately said it in the interview on field. He's like, of course, Taylor was banged up is what he said. So maybe there was an injury c- contributing here because I was the one saying coming off the bye, they're going to unleash the rookie. Um, and the opposite kind of happened there. So maybe it's a combination of both a little nicked up, which I don't know what that means moving forward. If it's just, uh, you know, that game or it's going to be an injury that lingers. But B, he is, you know, not not been as patient as his alignment wanted um and he could definitely improve as a player so i think right now it's a full-blown committee and you have to rank him and treat them such uh, moving forward especially in a matchup against baltimore the fourth fewest fantasy points to running backs uh i don't have taylor what my mid-20s right now and with you know obviously news of his health but um i could see ranking taylor uh, wilkins ahead of him even if taylor's healthy yeah yeah no i i agree with you i just think it just hasn't worked and the colts 
have an opportunity to still compete for a playoff spot. And I think this version of the offense works. Like when they have Hines on the field to do stuff as a pass catcher, when they're kind of funneling the targets to different players throughout the entire game, I feel like this version of the offense just fits Rivers too. Cause like Rivers has on balance been fine this year. Like he's really high in some, some of the advanced metrics, you know, top 10 pretty much all season in EPA per drop back. Like it's just the big boneheaded mistakes. And like, those are always going to be part of the Phillip rivers experience. But I think in order to maximize him in this year, like this is the offense that they kind of have to play as, which again, I think is antithetical to what Taylor is right now. So we'll see. Like I said, Taylor, Taylor, the most yards from scrimmage in college football history. I'm not a college guy, man. I just go by people and I was buying in on him, man. This situation looked great. He's uh, put up astronomical. If you did this, Weight adjusted. His you yeah. know his his workout numbers were great. Uh, what's up, man? Is he Trent Richardson two I don't know. I mean, running backs get better. Le'Veon Bell looked like a bust year two. He looks like a Hall of Famer. Running backs can improve, um, like other positions. But man, it's been discouraging. There's no question about it. That offensive line has some injuries, but I don't. Man, Taylor has just been one of the most disappointing players in real life football. Yeah, their offensive line too. By the way, like you know here's the deal like taylor could be legit you know anybody like he could be a total jag and if their line was playing to the standard that people thought it was they would be at least like the 15th ranked rushing team but they were 32nd coming into last week in football outsiders dvoa and another football outsiders metric that measures you know offensive line play is adjusted line yards and they're 28th in that metric so like it just hasn't been what the situation has not been yeah. what we thought coming into the year. And like, no sure. one really could have seen that coming. Like if they were that type of yeah. offensive line, Taylor mm-hmm. would be better than he has been, but that just like legit just hasn't been the case. So, um, but I do you think, think Wilkins is going to be a thing moving forward? I mean, do you think Wilkins yes. uh, say, say Taylor's probably. healthy, right? I mean, right. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. I wouldn't go crazy. I wouldn't go crazy with it just because again, I think, um, they just haven't been that kind of rushing team. Like last week as the Lions, we always have to kind of give that caveat out there. Like we've seen players come out and perform well against the, the Lions and then sort of disappear. So um, I would, I, I think fair. he could be a fair. thing, but not a super big thing if that makes a ton of sense. Okay, probably that's fair. That's fair. All right, let's go through some like play calling differences from the first half of the year to the second half of the year. Um, I think, we, well, the second, the first half of the first half and the, the, fir- the second half of the first half of the year. All right, that makes a lot of sense. I'm killing this hosting thing right now, by the way. Um, All right. So week one through four pass rate on first and second down. We like to use first and second down because that sort of measures team intent. It's not game script induced. Number one was Dallas at 68% uh, in that metric from week one to four. Now they're down to 54% in weeks five through eight. Obviously, This is an impact of Dak Prescott. Of course, we know that. But running the ball has not guaranteed any success for the Cowboys as a team or Zeke uh, Zeke fantasy managers. Like, they're not happy with what's going on right now. Uh, The Cowboys placed Andy Dalton on the reserve COVID-19 list today. They're thinking about pulling Cooper Rush off the practice squad to start ahead of Ben DiNucci, who was, you know, predictably not very good against the Eagles on Sunday night. Is it just like, what do we do with Dallas players right now? You know, because Michael Gallup comes out there and has a bunch of targets last week from Ben DiNucci. I don't really think we need to care about that at all. Um, Amari Cooper, one catch for five yards, like almost completely shut out of that game. And Zeke has just been nothing, right? Like, because he's a running back on a completely broken offense. Like, there's nothing good going on in Dallas right now. Do we just kind of wash our hands of all of these guys and sort of not play any of them at this point? 
I have a weird feeling this game's going to be closer than expected just because Pittsburgh, that's something they would do undefeated here. But um, fantasy-wise, you can't trust them against that Pittsburgh defense, anyone on, on the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I, okay, Elliott you're using just because you have Elliott in running back landscape. There's, I mean, you simply have to with the volume rank in top 20. But um, a big downgrade for him. And now with Cooper disappearing and Lamb running fewer routes each week too, it's a, it's a major problem. I would, I would do my best to start uh, no one on the Cowboys this week other than Elliott. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. All right, uh, Cincinnati Bengals were 63%. They're down to 56% um, in the last couple of weeks. I love the way the Bengals are playing offense. Um, I love that they're kind of spreading the field. Like Joe Burrow, um, you know, Joe Burrow looks looks good. Uh, I think he looks like a guy that's going to be sort of breeze-ish where he's not um, pushing the ball downfield vertically a ton, but is spreading the field with a bunch of different options. They have a bunch of different receivers there. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Number three, the Giants, 63%. They're down to 47%. Um, get it, even without uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously, getting the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands. Probably not the worst idea in the world. What do you make of this Giants offense right now? Like, God, Daniel Jones was, like, just the weirdest player in the world. I feel like last night's game on Monday night just completely encapsulated that. You know, uh, the ending sequence there when he throws probably like one of the best passes from a placement perspective that you're ever going to see to Golden Tate for the potential game tying touchdown. But then on the two point conversion, just throws that ball to Deion Lewis so late. It was just disgusting. Like he's just the weirdest quarterback I've ever seen. Um, what do you think there's any any sort of value to mine in this offense? Sterling Shepard, by the way, nine targets per game the last two weeks since he's come back from injury. He's playing pretty well in fantasy right now. Daniel Jones is 34 turnovers in his first 20 games, the most since Ryan Leaf. Um, uh, Wayne Goldman looked okay, actually, but um, yeah, it's been discouraging for Daniel Jones. I know Giants fans are uh, are definitely uh, not loving life right now, um, but um, it makes sense that they would try to hide him a bit more. As for Cincinnati, I want to circle back. Uh, that totally makes sense because Burrow is on pace. Uh, he leads the entire NFL in pass attempts on pace to, uh, to break Andrew Luck's record uh, for most passing yards by a rookie. I think by like 200 yards, but he's also on pace to take the second most sacks uh, by a rookie ever. 56. Do you know how many sacks David Carr took? Oh, is this something crazy like 75? Yeah, 76. So he's still 20 Jeez. away um, from his 56 pace. But uh, yeah, well, poor Carr would never recover. But no one's yeah, going to so break. No one's going to break that yeah. record ever. Like they'll talk about records that will stand the test of time forever. No one's ever going to take the David Carr sack record. Um, by the way, that, yeah. by the way, yeah. David Carr. Um, I can tell you a really funny story about how uh, about David Carr uh, off air uh, that I almost got in trouble for. Uh, in my like my first week at the NFL, but I will also say David Carr, nice guy, uh, super jacked. So like, whenever I see him, I used to see him walking around the NFL. I'm like, man, good for you. You you look pretty good for a guy that's take that took an absolute ass kicking in the NFL. But yeah, Burrow for sure. Like the the I can't believe last. By the way, the Titans, the freaking Titans had two quarterback hits in that two. Wow, all those injuries on the offensive line, too. Man, yeah. The, t- the you know, Titans I, I are like Clowney. The- I was at a Monday night game when, and Clowney lived in the Niners' backfield and they won in overtime. He hasn't had a sack since that game, I believe. That's crazy. No. I know his pressure rate's been pretty good, but that's interesting to me that he does not have a sack since that game when I was just convinced he was Lawrence Taylor 2.0. Well, yeah, I feel like Clowney shows up in huge moments. Like, remember yeah. that game for the Texans against the Raiders against right. uh, when, when they didn't have Derek Carr? in the playoffs right. and like just playoff game. 
dominated that game. Like, that's kind of the clowny thing. Like, his advanced metrics look pretty good from, like, not this year. This year, there just really hasn't been anything going on um, with Jadevian Clowney. Or Vic Beasley, by the way. Like, what a laughable free agent signing that was. Like, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong for Vic Beasley and the Tennessee Titans. Like, the Titans, by the way, they're an interesting team. I, I kind of wanted to actually ask you about them because, like, the way they want to play offense is, you know, they want to run the ball, they want to establish it, they want to play with the lead. I think their offense works best when they're playing with the lead, even if we've seen them come back against a team like the Steelers and make it pretty close a couple weeks ago. But that's going to be kind of tough to do when on the other end, your defense is a legit problem. Like, I think their lack of pass rush it could start to turn into a situation where in DFS, like we want to play passing games against the Titans because they have some issues at cornerback. They can't run the passer at all. They can't rush the passer at all. And then on offense, like they're such a fun stacking team because we know exactly where the ball is going. Right. So they might, we talked about the Texans as one of these teams that like they're an easy, you stack up those guys and then run it back with whoever's playing them. I feel like the Titans could start to be that type of team here too. Yeah, 20th ranked defense in DVOA. Um, one interesting thing about them is Corey Davis more valuable than my guy A.J. Brown uh, oh, moving no. forward. I mean, it's crazy how much targets he's seeing. Uh, no, I don't believe that to be the case, yeah. but he is definitely... Corey Davis has is, is really improved his play. Um, you know, former considered a bust. He was a high draft pick. Was he like top fifth, five fifth, draft pick? Fifth yeah. overall pick in yeah. 2017. Yeah. Davis is like... People, you know, really talk down on him coming into 2019 because... He was the fifth overall pick. Like, he's never going to be fifth overall pick good. But, like, I think it was kind of aggressive to say that he – I think he'd been a pretty solid player his first couple years. He was so banged up last year. And then, obviously, A.J. Brown – like, A.J. Brown's a stud. Like, A.J. Brown is playing, like, a guy who should have been drafted fifth overall, right? Like, yeah. he's that guy. He's the alpha. But Davis is not – like, he's a fine starting receiver, you know? Like, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option for him because of all the injuries, everything like that. But, like – Davis is not a bad player, and he actually, I think if he if he dings somebody in the offense, it's Jonu Smith because I thought yeah. coming into the year, then we could have, you know, we could have A.J. Brown and Jonu Smith, and that's it in the passing game. But now that there's three options, like, there's not really enough volume for all of those guys to hit. Like, I don't think we have to worry about Brown necessarily, but for people who are in on Jonu Smith, like, definitely, you're going to, I think you're going to see some weeks where Smith has the big game, or Davis has the big game, but I doubt you're going to see many weeks when Davis has a big game and Smith has a big game. And Davis is playing well enough to the point that he might be the guy that 70% of those big games go to him and 30% of them go to Smith. Yeah, totally agree there. And Adam Humphreys is banged up now. They're, but their defense being not great, and um, I believe they picked the pace up too. It's, it's helps uh, for fantasy terms. Uh, Jeremy McNichols and Donta Foreman both looked impressive in, in, in limited work there. So uh, so uh, the backup situation there in, in Tennessee is one to pay attention to. But, um, but yeah, interesting team for sure. And uh, it, the fact they couldn't get to the quarterback last week is a concern. I have them ranked very aggressively, their defense this week at home against the Bears, but maybe uh, erroneously if they can't ever if they couldn't get pressure last week against that line well that's that matchup and i want to talk about the bears here in a second that matchup is like the you know movable force versus the stoppable right. object or, or whatever <laughs> um because the bears are probably the worst one of the worst pass protecting teams and have a quarterback in nick Foles who is like a net negative when on the move like that guy is 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 it's like he's just 
like working with bricks in his shoes at this point. He's just so immobile. And like I said, talk about the Raiders in a second, but that's an interesting matchup to consider. Let's look at the week five to eight passing rate leaders. Philadelphia, 66%, up from 57%. Obviously, they're missing Miles Sanders right now as their kind of foundation piece back. Boston Scott is a receiving first back, in my opinion, anyways. But damn it, Dalton, the Eagles, like, why can't they just be normal? Okay? Because, like, coming into that matchup on Sunday Night Football, my my dumbass, sorry to the kids, my dumbass goes on FFL and talks about uh, the, you know, Eagles as like a real team. Like, okay, they're not going to just be some NFC East, you know, nightmare. Like they're actually going to be a real team. Well, they were not a real team on Sunday night because Carson Wentz throws two interceptions on deep attempts. Uh, for whatever reason, you get your guys back like Jalen Rager, Fulgham's cooking, um, you know, Dallas Goddard is back and you're targeting John Hightower who can't track football to save his life. Oh, and you're just throwing him the ball completely and accurately on downfield throws. Are the Eagles ever going to be normal? Because like right now they've got they've got the pieces. Okay, I think the skill position guys like forget about Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Zacherts. That's the past. Shout out Kylo Ren. Like you got to leave the past behind, kill it if you have to. That's how I feel about the Eagles. Let's talk about these new guys. Like they have the potential to be a normal team, but are they ever going to be a normal team? Four turnovers last week. Carson Wentz shockingly came entered last week like eighth fantasy QB or something. It feels like he's having a not good season, but all those rushing touchdowns really helped fantasy terms. At Dallas Goddard, I ranked too high. I don't know. I thought that he was going to immediately be involved, but uh, just all the praise for Travis Fulgham, who looks terrific, and Rieger's going to get uh, you know more opportunity coming out of their bye. They have three of the next four games after the bye on the road. Um, I uh, recently made a bet with a my other podcast host uh, with taking Washington to win this division. And I stupidly did not get, get odds oh, like man. I should have, but I'm in on that team, man, that defense. But um, yeah, I don't know what to make of the Eagles. They probably still, I mean, they are the rightful favorites to win this division and their defense can be nasty, but man, Wentz, uh, I don't know. I think it's, uh, he's just going to be erratic for, for the entirety of his career. It looks like. Yeah. Right. Like they still have some other pieces coming back too. like, not those dusty receivers I talked about, but like, they still have Lane Johnson. He didn't play against Dallas on Sunday night. Yeah, um, they're going to get – yeah. Sanders will be back. I think Sanders is a really good player. But, like, offensively, I'm still – even despite, like, them, you know, kind of throwing up on themselves in a cake matchup against Dallas on Sunday night, I'm still in, like – especially because this is the bye week, I think you can always look to trade for guys that are on bye because people aren't going to get that immediate return. You know, uh, right. they, they are not going to be able to play those guys this week. I still wouldn't mind. Like, I, I agree with you. Fulgham's legit. I think he's going to be really, really good. Rager's going to be good. Like, I would trade for – and Goddard, people might have that real nasty taste in their mouth because of the how that went in his return – He's a guy I would look to try. I'll trade for all of those guys. I'm still buying it on the Eagles, and I, they might make me look like an idiot because they're just the weirdest team ever. And like Carson Wentz is, you know, sort of like a rich man's Daniel Jones, <laughs> like at this point. Um, but I, I, I do, I do think they can be good. I also want to update on NFC East stuff because uh, this came in while we're recording. We talked about it earlier. The Cowboys were not going to start Ben DiNucci um, this week. They are definitely going to either start Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert who just got there three weeks ago. So have fun, Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush facing Pittsburgh here in week nine. That's a hell of an introduction um, to the team there. 
All right, we wanted to thank once again our sponsor for this episode, Planters. When you want to satisfy a salty craving, Planters has you covered. Their deluxe mixed nuts are roasted to perfection and seasoned with sea salt, giving you the crunchy texture and enhanced flavor you crave. Stay satisfied with Planters Deluxe Mixed Nuts. All right, number two in passing rate um, from weeks five to eight is Chicago. We just talked about the Bears, 64%. They're up from 55%. Um, God, the Bears are frustrating too. Like this is this is supposed to be the trends we love to see section. I hate all these teams. <laughs> I, I really hate all of these teams. Like Chicago has Allen Robinson, like the, one of the best players at wide receiver. I think Anthony Miller's starting to show up. Darnell Mooney looks like a good deep threat, but Foles is a statue in the pocket and can't can't operate behind this offensive line. And I think Matt Nagy's kind of at this point shown us who he is as a play caller. Well, how do you feel about the Bears going forward? Are they a team that's ever gonna you know kind of shine with all this talent that they have? Because like they do have talent, the skill position players. Like there are a lot of teams that would kill to have those receivers. Yeah, still frustrating. I, I was hoping that Foles would be a bigger upgrade. He's clearly not. Mooney's streaking free seemingly every game with the you know all the unrealized air yards. Um, I ranked Allen Robinson too aggressively before the season. Montgomery's those nope. guys that just you know they'll end the year as like the 16th most valuable fantasy back without any top 20 finishes any week. It's just those compilers yeah. that don't really help you. In fact, they hurt your fantasy team. So I know the broken tackle numbers are nice, and he's not getting any help with the blocking, but um. Oh man, guys like that just uh, just do not aren't that helpful, and I don't see too much encouraging uh, thoughts here. Other than Javon Wims, I mean that was inter- uh, entertaining. I mean that punch, I mean the whole mouth guard issue. I mean that was one of the more entertaining aspects of Week Eight. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a dire situation as far as offense in Chicago. Oh yeah, completely. It, it I, I the Javon Wims thing was so funny. Like how people like really wanted to be sanctimonious about this. It's like no, the, the, the best part about this is just like he's hitting a guy with a helmet on. Okay, leave it at that. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah, so another another uh, interesting change, if we want to flip this and look at the rushing rate leaders from weeks five to eight, um, Baltimore, because I want to talk to you about one of these guys on this team, Baltimore is up from 45% to 59% on rushing rate in for, on first and second down. J.K. Dobbins, man, um, I feel like there's a universe where J.K. Dobbins is like the second half hero of fantasy football looks awesome. Every time he gets the ball, he's explosive. He ranks really well in like yards after contact rate. Um, he ranks really well in yards per carry. And we saw what happened last, last week against, against a really good defense in the Steelers that we've been talking about. Dobbins kind of kept his role and then just assumed Mark Ingram's role, which was mostly passing work for the Dobbins role. And then all of that early rushing work, like Gus Edwards was still involved. He'll always be involved, but he kind of stayed in his lane. Is there ever, are we going to get to that universe where Dobbins is like a must start every week in fantasy? Because I'm worried that as soon as Mark Ingram returns, even if Dobbins is so, so much better than him at this point, Ingram has like been a part of their culture now, been a part of that identity of that 2019 team. I feel like they're never truly going to, you know, go away from him. Wonder if this is a philosophical change with some concern with you know how Jackson has been playing. Uh, J.K. Dobbins looks awesome, passes the eye test for sure. 
I believe the stat is among RBs with 50 touches uh, this year. He has the best missed tackle rate, and uh, Mark Ingram has the worst. Uh, but you're right, <laughs> oh, though. You he, go. he looked good. He looked good last year, and he's maybe a locker room guy. But I believe he might be dealing with more of a high ankle sprain. So, um, and even if, if it's just if it's Dobbins and Edwards in that backfield, both can be productive for fantasy uh, for fantasy managers because uh, you know there's so few running backs these days. So. Free J.K. Dobbins, sit Mark Ingram. I'm all for that. And uh, free Hollywood Brown, though. He's a guy, another yeah. guy I hyped that has just totally, totally been a disappointment. So I think that team uh, is going to lean more toward that. A, a higher rush rate would be probably a, a trend that I would expect to continue. We're going to talk about Marquise Brown in a second because uh, we are going to we're going to fix the Ravens' passing game, Dalton. We're gonna we're gonna okay. be the ones to fix it here in in just a little bit. So I want to save the Marquise Brown takes. Last one I want to talk about in these play calling uh, kind of notes. Weeks five to eight rushing rate leaders. Miami fifty six percent. This is up from forty three percent. Yeah, Miles Gaskin is another guy that's sort of that compiler, right? Like he looks like oh on a season long perspective, like looks pretty good in fantasy, but he really never scores touchdowns. He helps you from like a PPR floor thing. That's fine, um, but. Obviously, I feel like this is probably a play calling trend that's going to continue because, um, you know, Tua in his week in his uh, week eight debut in the NFL didn't have to do very much. Right. I think there was some some uh, there were some fine moments. There was obviously his first turnover on his first his first pass attempt, whatever. Like, I feel like we just have no idea how this offense is going to look quite yet because the defense which, by the way, that de- that pass defense I think is legit. Like they're they're full of a bunch of ass kickers. They prioritize um, pass rushers. They they don't defend the run well at all. Which we'll talk again. I want to talk more about that later with the, in a different section. But this defense might not like they might have them in game scripts where they can just kind of sit on the ball and run and not ask Tua to do very much. So this crazy stat, go ahead and fact check me. Or actually, better yet, don't ever fact check me on any of these uh, the claims it. I make on this podcast. But, Same. Um, the, Ram- <laughs> the Rams were outgained by the Dolphins. 326 yards last week, which was the most uh, any game this season and still lost that game. So it was a really weird first uh, debut for two. I know that the, he, he dealt with some drops from his uh, receivers as well. Having said that, PFF, those are the two lowest graded quarterbacks last week were Goff and uh, Tua. And uh, there might be some growing pains there. That defense is interesting for sure. But uh, yeah, they're going to really rely on Gaskin and and hopefully the defense. Uh, there, it's really an odd split. They're like fantastic against the pass and the worst against the rush. So that might not be a great matchup for Arizona this week. But um, Gaskin's definitely be relied upon heavily with uh, the raw rookie QB there now in Miami. Oh, the the stats. Um are insane from that game right like if you just look at the rams offense versus the dolphins offense especially considering the dolphins won this game and like by the way it was 28 to 17 miami beat the rams and it wasn't even that close like the rams were able to put up some yardage for cooper cup and robert woods woods those guys you know um in garbage time but like total plays run 92 for la 48 for miami that's insane Like you said, total yards, 471 to 145. Um, total drives. By the way, the total drives, though, 16 to 14. The Rams, uh, two two more than uh, the Dolphins. So way to go. Uh, 31 Cooper Cup had downs. 21 targets. Cooper Cup had 21 targets, but not like an insane target share. I mean, it was obviously high, but I mean, yeah, not what you would crazy. think. You know what I mean? Just because. Yeah. I don't even know if he led the – he had 21 targets, and I'm not sure he led the week in, in target share. That's pretty funny. But yeah. Uh, yeah, very interesting game. I believe on the flip side, was it the Browns who had six drives? 
something like that, like the opposite of that. It was, I believe they had six drives, the fewest in a game in 30 years, something like that. Yeah. So interesting stuff going on. Yeah, I talked to, I was tweeting with our our, our colleague, our co-host, Scott Pianowski, about that. We both feel like that's a game that you just throw in the trash. Like nothing that happened in that game matters. Uh, we're never going to see something like that again. All right, let's move on to some things we hate to see. And this is only going to be a two-part uh, section here. Number one, Gardner Minshew. Woof. He's going to be inactive this week. Um, Jake, is it official that Jake Lutton is uh, starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Or are they still thinking about debating between him and Mike Glennon, which is, oh, yuck. Um, I feel like we've moved on from really having high hopes for this passing game. But James Robinson has been one of the stories of fantasy football, one of the waiver wire pickups so far um, this year. I think if there's something to save his floor, it's that he's been involved so heavily in the passing game, four-plus catches in five straight games for James Robinson. But this has to make you feel a little worried uh, as long as Gardner Minshew's not playing quarterback for the Jags. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was at least competent. Uh, I have no clue what we get with Jake Luton or even how to pronounce his name properly. But he, uh, James Robinson should be relied upon heavily. And a home matchup against the Houston team that's allowed the third most fantasy points uh, to opposing backs isn't isn't too shabby right away. But yeah, what a huge wild card now with the quarterback situation in Jacksonville. I guess they claim there's upside here, like he has some upside, but he's probably going to be super erratic and make mistakes. But um, yeah, your guess is is probably even better than mine here. Yeah, Ian Rapport says that he's the, you know, he's going to get starter reps, Jake Luton, uh, that he's going to be, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. I legit have never heard of this guy before in my entire life. Me neither. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, four plus catches for James Robinson, I do think is, is, um, is a, is good. I think that's going to, but Chris, isn't Chris Thompson also coming off the COVID list too? Like that makes me a little bit worried too for that passing game floor because like, yeah, if Thompson is um, – he was removed from the COVID list three days ago. Um, he was on the list Saturday. Uh, so, you know, just just something to keep in mind there. Like Thompson could come back and take some of these passing snaps eventually. That would be problematic for James Robinson. Is that is this a guy like just consi- – like as long as it's Mike Lennon, fine. It's not going to be a disaster scenario, I think. But is Robinson a guy you might think tr- to try to sell – before this weekend's games, just in case it kind of goes um, horribly. Yeah, that's an interesting strategy, especially pointing to the nice matchup. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that necessarily, but man, it's hard to argue with his production. And again, another nice matchup. And so few backs these days have hit, have that role. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's sell them now because yeah, people look at that matchup and have those thoughts too. And before we see how disastrous this QB situation could turn into, because yeah, it could it could get uglier, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, we'll see what happens on that one. Uh, All right. Last thing for things we hate to see. Marquise Brown. uh, He's on Twitter upset about his role. Uh, He gets a career low two targets last week against the Steelers. He'd he'd been like kind of at a steady six, you know, around six targets per game coming into that week. So, you know, he's been getting used a decent amount this year. But right now, Brown ranks ninth in the NFL in air yards. That's great to see. Uh, he has 679 despite seeing just 44 targets. Um, these are, but the problem is the, the really the only looks that he's getting are vertical looks. Uh, I, I took a, I took a dive on this one too. He has just nine targets on slants, screens, and mm. crossers this year. I think the problem for Brown and the problem for this entire passing game is that they 
they are always looking for chunk plays off their ground game. But when those aren't there, they don't really have, you know, the middle of the field routes in their playbook to, to, to kind of op- to give Brown a floor or to give Jackson a floor even when things go- aren't there from a vertical perspective. So I don't know, man, this is a, this is just a very, this is just a, a very, a very weird passing game right now. And I feel like they're, I, I, how how worried are you about the Ravens' offense and Marquise Brown? I'm a little worried. Um, Rotowire writer Jerry Donabedian, I had him on as uh, one of my guests a pod earlier this summer. He uh, he's a Ravens fan and he worded it well. He said he's coming to grips that maybe Lamar Jackson is Vince Carter and not Michael Jordan, and he's to say that that's okay. And I think that's what we're seeing here that maybe Lamar Jackson isn't going to be that superstar next level passer and I mean Marquise Brown how's he worse he, he gained 25 pounds in the offseason removed a screw from last year has a whole another year of seasoning and yet his production's taken a, a step back I mean like the target share and the air yard share but it's on a team that barely throws the ball and when the, it, it's high risk throws it's not resulting in, in a great result 100 he's on pace for 101 targets and just 62 catches five touchdowns um yeah really discouraging and um Things will get better, but um, yeah, I'm less optimistic than I was before the season when it looked like after week one, it looked like the Ravens were going to take the whole league by storm. Yeah. It looked like they were going to be even better than last season, but man, it's been a few steps backwards since then. May, am I being overly harsh? I mean, what, what do you think? You, what are your thoughts on Lamar right now? I actually think that, like, you know, on balance, I think Lamar has been fine this year. I think the problem really is like the lack of outlet receivers on this team, like, they don't have, you know, Willie Steed had a big game against the Steelers, but like they don't have a ton of those in-breaking over the middle uh, routes. Like they don't have that, that that many players. I actually kind of think that losing Hayden Hurst from the tight end room has been sneaky bad for them because, you know, they used to be very dangerous out of those multiple tight end sets where they had Mark Andrews and Hay- Hayden Hurst there. Now they really just have Andrews and Nick Boyle, who's not a huge like, you know, athletic receiving threat or anything like that. I also think that, Again, the lack of like, I think this is kind of on Greg Roman a little bit, too. And like Roman's a guy who you remember it with the 49ers, right? Like came out awesome offense, you know, with Colin Kaepernick. But that offense went stale eventually, like Colin Kaepernick's play regress. Uh, Same thing in Buffalo, too. Like Roman had some some hot moments with Tyrod Taylor to start. That offense went stale. Because they're 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 a run based offense that doesn't really develop a ton of good passing concepts, and I kind of wonder if we're at that place with Greg Roman in Baltimore now too. Like they're not doing enough different from last year to adjust for the way defenses are going to play them. Like Lamar Jackson, at some point, is just going to be able to out athlete people, and like there's no defense for that. But you can defend a team that's going to be overly reliant on the run and vertical shots and not have enough in the short to intermediate areas. And I feel like that's Baltimore's biggest problem. I don't. And now now they're without their star left tackle and Ronnie Stanley. And I think that's an injury that could change the complexion um, of the team. So their next couple of matchups, Indy, I think Indy's obviously a good defense. They, They fly around. That's not necessarily great for a team like Baltimore. New England's defense, I think, is like a net neutral, not not a big deal. Tennessee in Week 11, we talked about the Tennessee Titans as a great matchup for passing games, but we'll see how that goes. Then Pittsburgh, Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, New York, and Cincinnati to, to, to fill out the year. So a lot of exploitable matchups for Baltimore there. But again, I think it's more on coaching and player deployment than anything else there right now. 
Mark Andrews has been a low-key fantasy bust or certainly disappointment. I was going to bring up the Ronnie Staley. Great point, losing that left tackle there. And even better point is the Greg Romans thing. Maybe there's something to that, getting some film on his offenses. And uh, it's an aspect I hadn't thought of. It's 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 an excellent point. But that schedule does look favorable. And I mean, obviously, Lamar is capable of putting up some monstrous performances for sure. Yeah, I hope that they I hope that there's a squeaky wheel sort of theory here with Marquise Brown that like, you know, John, John right. Harbaugh apparently like yeah. texted him specifically like, hey, buddy, you got to take that tweet down, you know, uh, like so I wonder if like they, they go out of their way to sort of make him happy because he's he's a key part of their team. Like they've got to do more to design touches him like the fact that he only again, he has nine targets on slants, crossers, and screens. Like, those should be bread and butter. Like, if you watched Marquise Brown at Oklahoma, those should be bread and butter plays of what you're doing to get this guy the ball. You should not just be taking deep shots on posts and corners and go routes to him. You're just limiting what your offense can do at this point. So I'm hopeful that there's rational coaching in Baltimore and that they uh, do that. And I would – the actionable take there is maybe go out and try to trade uh, for Marquise Brown. Let's move to our last segment of the show. It's Who Got Shelled, presented by our friends at Planters. Every Wednesday, Dalton and I are going to take a look back at a defense or defensive player who got absolutely shelled last week. Then we'll dive into the data and point out the defensive matchups you might want to take advantage of this Sunday. Uh, My nomination for Who Got Shelled, and we talked about it um, previewing this week, it's the Green Bay Packers run defense, man. Dalvin Cook, four touchdowns, over 200 yards. Hard to think of anything better for a fantasy running back than that. And then the Packers broke the DFS slate for the second straight week. They had Adams last week, and then they gave Cook four. was the first player in NFL history to score a touchdown on his team's first four possessions. Um, yeah, that was ugly. Um, now are we going with who we expect to get shelled this week, Harmon? Yes. Uh, but let's go with your pick first because mine's kind of weird. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with the the Raiders who uh, were impressive last week in that victory. But as I mentioned, weird game in the weather. Their defense faced the fewest drives in 30 games. They still rank 31st in DVOA. And of course, I don't need to talk you into Justin Herbert uh, lighting up this defense. Man, not only is Herbert just putting up (laughs) awesome numbers, but you look at his, he's played at Tampa, at New Orleans, at Denver. I mean, his schedule is where he's doing this is should not be underrated here. Um, in the first half uh, uh, this week, Chargers 27 passes, 13 rush attempts. You love to see that aggressiveness. So I think the Chargers, I mean, no team in NFL history had blown 16-point leads in three straight games. The Chargers have now done it in four straight games. Not to lose, but blown 16-point leads in four straight games. Um, so maybe that's going to be not unlike the Phillip Rivers uh, Chargers. But either way, for fantasy managers, uh, Herbert's going to shell the Raiders' D this week. I love that, and I hate to see the 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 Chargers stat. Like, there's something to that, you know. At Weird. some point, at some point, you got to ask, like, is it the coaching staff? Is it more than the coaching staff? Like, what's going on there? I know Anthony Lynn, like, 100. percent Like that guy coaches not to lose, which is something you really can't do in the NFL. Uh, so we'll see there. My pick for who's going to get shelled this week is a little weird because I talked about how I'm buying in on the Dolphins' pass defense, right? Like ranked sixth in football outsiders DVOA coming into that destruction of the Rams offense. But I kind of think that Kyler Murray coming off a bye week is going to shell these guys. And here's why. Number one, whereas they were ranked sixth in pass defense efficiency, they were 32nd in rush defense efficiency. If you've got Chase Edmonds on your team, fire the cannons. This is the moment you've waited for. 
What a great matchup. Even the Rams were kind of running on them a little bit before, you know, the the doors just fell off the operation last week. Daryl Henderson was running pretty well before also getting hurt. Like Chase Edmonds, I think, is going to shell this run defense. Kyler Murray, the Dolphins play a ton of man coverage. Brian Flores, Matt Patricia, all these like Patriots acolytes. And I hate to put Flores and Patricia in the same sentence because like one is a much better coach than the other. Um, And that's Brian Flores, just in case you couldn't figure it out. Um they play a ton of man coverage, scrambling quarterbacks always beat up on man coverage defenses. I could see Murray ripping off a bunch of big runs. I could see Edmonds ripping off a bunch of big runs and like Christian Kirk, four touchdowns in two games before in two games before the bye. He's a guy I would also think about starting this week, even though on paper, that matchup looks rough. I'm totally with you here. I'm actually preliminary of making this my best bet of the week. I like the setup nice. here for the Cardinals coming off that bye and the last-ranked DVOA Miami uh, rush defense. And Tua could be a problem. The game script here, Chase Edmonds, a borderline top-five fantasy back this week. Uh, Murray's getting merely a yard more per pass attempt at home this season. So totally agree with you on this one. Yeah, all those guys we talked about at the top, like Zeke, Taylor, Hasty. I like Edmonds more than all of those guys for sure this week. I think this is the moment you've been waiting for if you had him on your bench. All right, so that was who got shelled. I hope we don't get shelled by making those picks. And once again, we want to give a shout-out to Planters for that segment. Stay satisfied with Planters. All right, Dalton, plug your stuff. What you got coming up this week? Uh, another podcast where we go over the week uh, week nine lines with p and then my sit-start column will be up Friday. While you're waiting for Dalton's 49ers to get crushed by the Packers on Thursday Night Football or maybe the Packers to get upset by a team they've got a bunch of problems with, we'll see. we got a lot of podcasts here at Yahoo Sports to take up your hours of the day. Check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler and the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. That's at Dalton Del Don. One more thank you to Planters. Tomorrow, Dalton's going to be back with Scott to preview the week nine betting lines, as he said. But until then, we're out. <laughs>